0: Welcome to Sport Faith Life with Brian Bolt and Chad Carlson, two guys who came together for one common purpose to think deeply about sport and faith. They are sports scholars, they're coaches, and they're competitive athletes, or at least they were. And together they've created Sport Faith Life, a conversation that meets at the intersection of sport and faith. Today on Sport Faith Life, we welcome John Levis. John is an athlete, a coach, an entrepreneur. A ministry leader and now the founder of Coaches Call, a consulting ministry helping coaches see their work, including the pursuit of success and the mentoring of athletes, as acts of worship to the Creator. John has lots of insight and ideas, so we can't wait to talk to him. So let's get started.
1: We're so excited to have John Levis with us today. John, can you tell us a little bit about sport in your life? Sure.
2: Um, I would say, so growing up, I, I grew up in a household where both my mother and father played college athletics. And so from a young age, uh, my dad was coaching all of all of my life growing up. And so I was around that and started to play youth sports when I was young, um, all the way up through high school, and then had the opportunity uh, at Wheaton College to play some uh, basketball and, and club lacrosse. And then since graduation, I've been coaching some level of sport and one sport or another for the past 25 years. So um, in a lot of ways, the same as my faith, I, I don't really know a day when I didn't know sport, I would say, um, just in terms of kind of growing up in that, that household. And both of my sisters were college athletes. And so um, sport always had a, a, a central piece in terms of our family growing up.
1: Well, you're in great company then, John. Glad to have another basketball guy. And I think we haven't had anyone that sort of had lacrosse as one of their tops. So you might be the first one there. We're excited about that. Nevertheless, tell us a little bit about faith in your life.
2: Yeah. um, You know, like many people I've heard on the podcast, right, it it kind of came to an understanding of who Jesus is and who he desired to be in my life and what he did for me when I was young. Um, I would say over the years. Uh, as I've tried to remember, it's about the relationship, not the um, what we do. It, it, in in a lot of ways, I would say it's the lens by which I try to view and, and do everything that I do is through uh, my relationship with Jesus.
0: Well, John, it's great to have you on the podcast. I uh, have two questions for you. The first one is very whimsical. Sure. It's it's uh, NFL draft season. And there is a, uh, a quarterback that might go off the board in the top 10 named Levis. Are you related?
2: Yes. Oh, come on. I am not. Oh, I, I, you know, it's not a common name. I've, I've done as much research as I can into the family tree there. Um, and so maybe at some point way, way back, there's a, a connection, but, but I can't claim, claim any connection there. So, um, it's kind of fun to hear the last name related to professional athletics because, uh, you know, that's always the dream. And so I'll live vicariously through his draft, I think.
1: I would say that uh, I'm happy with that answer, John, as a Penn State graduate and Penn State football fan myself, Will Levis, who we're talking about here, transferred away from Penn State. I'm not sure as a PA guy yourself if you're a Penn State fan or not, but that still irks me a little bit.
2: I I am, um, you know, and, you know, I love uh, Penn State enough to at times be critical of it. And so I would say. Penn State is a school that struggles to develop quarterbacks. So, right. Um,
1: Until this year, though, right? As much
2: as—well, that's what we're hoping, yes, right? exactly. Yeah. As much as I love Penn State, um, I, I in some ways you can't blame him as a quarterback for, for going off somewhere else. Good, good point.
0: Well, John, I'm a little disappointed that you're not related, but uh, my cousin Usain and I uh, have, have gained a lot <laughs> from the— <laughs> Uh, relationship yes. <laughs> so that's just too bad that you're not related yeah, so my my actual question is you just tell us a little bit about your life, something that uh, may be unique, a hobby, something interesting that help will help our listeners get to know you
2: sure um, one of one of my hobbies I would say uh, is reading and coming um, I was a health and physical education major at Wheaton College and started off kind of in a pre-med track, and, and organic chemistry definitely made me reconsider uh, the pre-med track, uh, but also one of the things uh, that happened was I was introduced in college to C.S. Lewis, um, and they have the Wade Center there and, and a number of things with Lewis and Tolkien and, and uh, Dorothy Sayers and others, and, and one of the exciting reasons I chose health and physical education is to read all of these new books I was being introduced to, Um, And so that might be a fun fact that I'm one of the few maybe phys ed majors um, that chose the major for C.S. Lewis.
0: Well, John, we're going to have to start there. You're going to have to take that a little bit further. Give us some of C.S. Lewis's works that you think are intricately linked maybe to being a health and P.E. major or, or a coach.
2: Right. And that, you know. When you said you'd be kind and maybe not put me drastically on the spot, you, you <laughs> went there. No, um, you know, I think uh, one of, one of his quotes that that I return to time and time again is the problem with us is not that we want so much out of life, but that we're far too easily pleased. Um, we're satisfied to make mud pies in the slums when a vacation at the seashore is being offered to us, and um, that just resonated to me too as an athlete that. Um, we will settle for far less um, than even our dreams would be. Uh, and I would say his piece of writing in, in some ways that resonates with me the most is the great divorce um, his allegory of heaven um, and this idea and tying that kind of to the picture he gives us of heaven in the last battle of kind of further up and further in. And I think in experiencing those two things in college, it was the first time I thought about the fact that not only does God redeem us, but in redeeming the world, he redeems time. Um, And what would a redemptive time look like? Because as an athlete, I always felt like there wasn't enough time. Um, And so those would be two kind of things that came to mind in terms of uh, how I was interacting with Lewis, you know, while I was pursuing health and physical education and, and continuing being a little bit of an athlete at
1: times. Well, someone that teaches some health and physical education classes myself, I have never heard that as a reason for why someone has chosen health and physical education. But I, I love that, John. I love that you shared that. You know, Brian and I are both in higher education. And so I wonder if you can talk a little bit about the, uh, uh, the influence in terms of your formation as a student at Wheaton and then the time that you've spent connected with Eastern University in Philadelphia.
2: Sure. Um, I think that... Uh, you know, and and I I would say kind of the academic setting at Wheaton. So I had some very formative professors and experiences, not just in the education department, but also in a number of my um, general education classes that I had to take. And so being at Wheaton, I really came to appreciate uh, a liberal arts education in a sense. there There were certainly and I probably look back with a little nostalgically at those things because there were certainly some of those intro courses uh, as an 18 year old, I didn't enjoy as much. Um, but I think I came to really appreciate uh, the liberal arts education uh, at Wheaton. And, uh, and along with that, uh, I would say kind of anecdotally, one of the things I was exposed to was at the time at Wheaton, it was... Um, from an academic standpoint, very homogeneous. Uh, and you had these kind of high achieving students that now were just like everybody else. And I actually witnessed at the time, too, that a lot of my friends and and people I knew kind of going through an identity crisis uh, at Wheaton, because every I always measured myself on accomplishment and achievement. And now I was average. Um, and I think you know, outside of the classroom, one of the things I learned more fully at Wheaton then was the role of education, not the utility of education, if, if that makes sense. Um, and then going on to Eastern, right, being exposed to people like Shane Claiborne and Tony Campolo, um, there was an activity to faith uh, that that maybe wasn't um, drilled into quite to the same extent uh at Wheaton. There's a little more of the intellectual side of faith at Wheaton to to generalize in a sense, whereas uh there was more a little more activity to faith. But uh when I stopped coaching, um lacrosse at Eastern I uh became the director uh of advancement for the Templeton Honors College. Um and so was exposed to kind of a great books education and and very much dove into the liberal arts um and and kind of the purpose behind the liberal arts to make good people, to make good citizens Um, and good meaning. What is the purpose of being man and pursuing that more fully? And so um, there certainly was the intellectual side to my experience uh, at Eastern, but also there was the relational side as I shared to my experience at Wheaton as well.
0: Well, John, you uh, indicated that you love to read and we can hear in the way that you talk with us that you like to think about big ideas and Mm -hmm. you also admitted that uh, when you love something you're willing to critique it uh, as in Penn State what's your relationship to sport at this point in life
2: yeah I think um, probably over the last seven or eight years right there's been this this restlessness or this, this, uh, struggle to say, what is the purpose? If the purpose of sport is only, um, to change athletes, uh, ever more fully into the image of Christ, right? So through, uh, the life lessons that sport teaches, right? Then, then why am I called coach? Why aren't I called youth pastor? Um, meaning, You know, there seemed there was this wrestling as I dig into what I love to read uh, and sport places I I love to be environments I love to be in and people. I think it is very true that that is a purpose of sport, that as we look at the purpose of sport, um, one is to help shape and mold young men and women. And, and I would say more fully into the image of Christ. And I like to say, too, so that when when they die, they're ready to spend eternity with him um, in a secular setting. The the athlete might not know that they might look at it as developing virtue um, and, and develop becoming a good citizen, as we talked about from the liberal arts sense. Uh, but then the wrestling came to this fact that, well, God, you know, there are lots of people that could coach the sport better than me. God has me in this place and time. And this idea of vocation uh, came out of my uh, relationship to sport, saying not only is it for others, but it's where God would have me to do business with me and help shape me. But then where I have really and a lot of, you know, I would say through reading Tolkien and Chesterton and Francis Schaeffer came this thought that sport had value in itself as a physical art that can be done for the glory of God, that that your performance um, should be so beautiful that people walk off asking questions about the role, that that the purpose of, and I coach high school soccer now, right, the beautiful game, is that people come and they walk away changed by seeing that the way that we approach and respect and play the game Um one of the illustrations I like to go to, and not to go too far off, is is Handel and Messiah. Uh, that When he was at his crisis of faith and a pastor brought him some verses and asked him to compose a piece of music uh, in Germany, and, and he walked out of the door two weeks later, almost having locked himself exclusively in a room for, for two weeks. Um, when it came time to perform it, God deserved his best, and so he chose the best musicians of the city to perform. Uh and Jurgen Klopp, the manager of Liverpool, made a similar statement a few years ago on a BBC interview about being a Christ follower and then what it means to coach people that are Muslim and and non-practicing and, and atheists. And he said um that he coaches for God's glory. Um and they get to partake in it uh, you know, in that way. Um and so to me that, that would be kind of the third prong of sport that I think a lot of times gets ignored, that God cares about us changing the world that is into the world that ought to be to give glimpses of the world that is coming. And so I think the way we perform is vitally important, as is how we develop people. That's probably too much there, but that's kind of (laughs) been my um, interaction with sport over the last number of years, which has led me to where I am now. Yeah.
1: So to to condense down that that lovely answer would be to say you have a, a, a rather deep relationship with sport the ways in which you're thinking about it and I, I love that I love the examples that you use and I want to refer back to the handle Messiah one sort of locking himself you know in a room for three weeks to figure something out that would be one's one sort of act towards God I think there's a you could probably find a lot of coaches who uh, during the season essentially are locking themselves in the you know I'm thinking of like a football offensive coordinator you know locking yourself in a closet and just sort of scheming and figuring out, you know, spending all of one's time and energy devoted towards the sport and coaching the, the sport. Of course, what you're talking about would be something different than that, right? It, it would be about maybe being sort of all focused towards one presenting oneself as an act of, of worship or an act of guidance uh, to glorify God's kingdom towards, towards others. I, I'm curious, in your experiences of uh, uh, coaching and, and being around sport, where do we fall short and what is it that a Christian coach does differently in order to get at that, that unique telos, that unique ends?
2: Yeah, uh, kind of, I, I, think there are a number of times where being a coach, we make secondary the platform, the sport itself. Um, to what we do. And so I think, um, you know, where I have fallen short would be that I have essentially um, used sport as a means to another end. Um, and, and in a sense, not given sport, it's due in that way that the ends of um, character development and the things that can take place are vitally important. But to take worship out of sport um, is to make sport uh, a utility in, instead of an art form, and I think sport should fit into it just like going down and seeing um, the Philadelphia Orchestra or going to see the Nutcracker at Christmas time. That um, there's a beauty to performance that I've I've cut out at times because I thought of it. As only a utility, um, I, I think would be how I would would, ap- would approach that. And for me, then this idea of the pursuit of beauty, when with my the last couple of years with the soccer team and I'm an assistant on the team, the way we've approached it is we play on Wednesdays and Fridays and and Monday and Tuesday. We look at ourselves as a worship band practicing for Sunday service um, so that when we step in between the lines, we're inviting our opponents uh, the fans and everyone into a worship service. Uh, and we end, um, every game home game. We end with the song by Matt Redman, never once that's kind of our anthem. So that at the end, we're reminded that, you know, never once do we ever walk alone. Never once, uh, did you leave us on your own God? You're faithful. Um, and we invite the teams into that and, and we've seen a significant impact of, uh, our interactions changing with how officials see us. We've had a number of teams um, that are at a higher level than us contact us to play because they like our style. Um, we've even had officials who come from uh, different backgrounds stand at the edge of our pregame prayer because they have refed us for a few years, and and there's something different about when an athlete plays with joy and freedom as if an act as worship to God. It's different than playing out of anger or fear. Or, or feeling like um, the scoreboard is the only piece that counts, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it's, it's intriguing. I was tracking with you um, most of the way there because we've all, many of us have talked about how sport is so uh, easily harnessed for something else, right? And often mm-hmm. um, we, we lament that. Or some of us lament that that it's uh, yeah it's a means to an end and, and many times that end is a good thing it can be yes. something like character development in fact there's a huge temptation maybe even an inferiority crisis among people who participate in sport you know it it, it just can't be uh, an end in itself there's got to be something else and so we try to find what that something else is so in your case i'm wondering uh how's worship different than that so is if if you're defining it as worship and you're trying to avoid sport being saddled with something else how is worship different than some other means and i know that's sort of a a challenging question and i don't know where i would take it so that's why i'm sticking it to you
2: yeah that's great yeah i would say your focus right um Worship should be always drawing you up, right? Focus on God. I think character development very often is a is a focus on self, and, and that's what I would say is that to pursue sport as worship, to um, create an artistic form that can glorify God, is to put the focus where it ought to be. And um, that doesn't right in in no way in this conversation do I want to um, make less than the the desire to grow the athlete and impact the athlete's life for eternity right and so so i think that is it it's as significant as it is at all times um that's not making less of that i think it's making more of how do we focus on god in that um and and so to me performance has the opportunity, kind of like Eric Eric Little, the runner, you know, in Chariots of Fire, that when I run, I feel God's presence and he's pleased with me. Um, that he loved to go out running because he knew God would be there. Um, and he did it for his glory. And so that to me is the difference. I think it's the focus. I think at times when I think of vocation, um, there can be the struggle to put focus on self. Uh, I think when there is the idea of Person development, which are both good things, right? There's, there's a tendency to put the focus on self and others, and I think when um, you you perform, there certainly can be the tendency to not have the right focus. But, but it's the one aspect of sport that allows you to put the entire focus on God. That 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 would be kind of a, a you know.
0: Yeah, I wonder a, if I can. Yeah. I wonder if I can follow up and jump in on Chad's spot here, but just, um, uh, so tell me how this, uh, intersects with competition. Uh, Love it. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about how competition aids this or inhibits this, uh, competition's a really right. interesting thing, right? It changes from really one game to the next. And, uh, in one game you are worshiping by winning. Potentially, mm-hmm. and the next game you're worshiping by losing, potentially. Uh, tell me how competition plays out in this space.
2: Yeah, I love that um, because that is that is the conflict, right? That is the um, the the piece, the question, right there. And I would say um, a lot of times when we say uh, it's not about winning and losing. It rubs you for a competitive person. It rubs them the wrong way because really, what they're doing is excusing failure. Um, What I would say is this idea of worship and beauty is higher than winning and losing. It's not about winning and losing. It's about something more important, something bigger than that. Um, And you say, "What? How does that work?" Well. You're trying to play the perfect game because we're supposed to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. And without that pursuit of the bar that high, you don't learn grace, right? You don't learn to understand your inability to measure up to that perfection, which again is a built-in teachable moment of God requires our best, and our best never actually measures up but our best is what God asks of us. Um, when it comes to winning and losing, uh, I think that uh, the value of losing is the value of it pointing us to that the world is not as it should be. The feel your feeling of loss is very much on a, on a less significant scale, the fit feeling we have at loss throughout life. And it points us to the fact that... Um, It's the hunger that Lewis talks about, that when I'm hungry, uh, I know where to go to be fed. And when I'm thirsty, I know where to go to have a drink. But when I am hungry for something that this world can't satisfy, it means I'm made for someplace else. Um, On the flip side, the entire book of Revelation is about winning. I mean, if you were to make a theme of the book of Revelation, it's God wins. Um, As we look at the Old Testament and the wins and losses of the nation of Israel, the winds are tied into God's favor. Um, now, right, so we can go down a slippery slope that I think is really uh, dangerous. From that, so the, I I don't want to, um, right? I I don't want to go too far with that statement, but you know, just like uh, miracle, and sorry for the background uh, if you can hear the phone ringing, but just like um, in the in the, in Miracle on Ice, right? if they had beaten the Soviets and lost, I think it was Sweden, two days later, we don't make the movie. If the walls of Jericho fell and then the Israelites get slaughtered, we don't tell the story. Um, you know, and, and I think that again, we can go to this idea of God wins at the end, right? So, so victory is something written on our souls that resonates with us, not that winning and losing in the athletic competition gets there, but there's something about winning that connects us to this idea of one day the world will be as it should be and not, right? There, there are times we win and, and it doesn't feel like a win, right? Because we didn't, didn't play well. And so I, I, I'm understanding that. But, but in that moment when the last whistle blows or you run through the tape or um, the horn goes off, that feeling you have there is one that God has eternally written on our hearts um, to understand uh, what it will be one day. And so I think we need to embrace a lot of times we talk as Christians about loss being where the value is. I think we need to value both equally. Um, And then at the end of the day, and I'll give the example of what I mean by beauty, right? And there's a lot about the game uh, of soccer that you can't control one of the terms I hate most, though, is how often as, as coaches and fans we say "unlucky," because a lot of times it's really just ungood. Um, however, you know there are certain things that you that are outside of your control. And I look at our um, our district playoff game last year. Uh, we played a, we played a beautiful game. Uh, the other team played a beautiful game. It was tied at the end. We went nine rounds deep in PKs. So then and um, and we lost. Uh, but people still talk about that experience of having attended that game. And so that's where I mean, you know, beauty is found in both victory and defeat and how you perform. Um, but then when it comes to competition, right, I say, well, the goal is to go out there and, and play to our utmost for his highest to steal Oswald Chambers line. Um and, and we do that by having the best we do that by having the best adversary or or team possible to play against. right We only play our best by playing against the best people we can. Um, and so when you do that, you know you lose. I think of uh, my son as a tennis player and he would much rather go out and, and get smacked around by a very good player than be done in 20 minutes. Uh, and have beaten a, a very weak player. And to me, that gets at the ethos of competition that if you desire to perform your best, then all of those things fit into place.
1: There's there's such philosophical richness in, in what you're sharing, John, and I appreciate that. I'm thinking of, you know, you mentioned Eric Little. I'm thinking of, I uh, just, just teaching about this this morning. Uh, we, we watched Chariots of Fire last week in class and, um, there's a quote from from Little's father, who's a reverend who who basically is telling him, "You've been blessed with all of these gifts, Eric. And um, if you're supposed to be peeling spuds, he says, you know, peel them to perfection, really? That's what we're going for. Don't compromise. And I, I get the sense that that's sort of what you're affirming in your answer that there's we're not going to win every time, but the perfection is in is in not compromising our our ideals, that as we continue to strive for victory every time and we give it our best, and that will, you know, lead to that. Even though there are fail, failings that we'll have, there are losses because because we're human. But I'm hearing something that that sort of um, has has been has been shared. I, I would say by by philosophers that really get and understand sport, as well as uh, theologians that that uh, tend to understand sport and uh, it's it's higher order goods. And so we're not downplaying winning or or losing, striving for victory. In fact, we're saying that's that's the the thing that we're not compromising on. We're going to give it our best and try to play. The beautiful game every time and soccer is such a great a great laboratory for all of that because of the ways in which you can play a beautiful game but since the scoring is is relatively infrequent, you still might not come out on top and and so that's that's a, a wonderful analogy there. Uh, John, I'm wondering if you can share with us a little bit about the work you're doing uh, mentoring and leading coaches. you you have a, an entity called coaches call. Share, share with us a little bit about that.
2: Sure. Um, yeah, I think uh, I can tell you kind of the thought behind Coach's Call and then in God's timing and sense of humor. He likes to take some left turns uh, in terms of what I'm what I'm doing with it. And, and it's a really exciting. I think um, one of the things I I've experienced in my 25 years of coaching is watching a lot of coaches burn out um, because. uh for one, they, they've been told a lot in a lot of ways, our whole lives, we've been told that if we just throw more time at something, we can solve the problem. Um, and you come to realize, and I watch that with young college coaches who are, who are 23, 24 and single, and they can invest all these hours into coaching. Uh, and, and right. And so they can solve some of those problems, but then they get married and, and, now, how do you balance that? And then you add, you add young ones to it. Um, and so you have this responsibility to a family and you have this responsibility to the, and all of a sudden there's finite time in your day. Um, and so one of the things I've really tried to, to work with coaches, one, how do you investigate this idea of vocation, of God's call on your life? If this is where God has you, um, he has you here for a purpose. And then second is if he has you here, he has you here to be healthy, that, that there is a way to do this. And I, and I try to help young coaches, especially build in the efficiencies of coaching um, versus always settling and saying, I'm just going to put in 12, 14, 16 hour days and and they're finding they experience the same success so that when the next, you know, the next stage of life comes, they're able to stay in coaching and not burn out and, and, and not feel like they have to go do something else. Uh, sometimes God calls them to something else like he did for me, but but it would have been great to have someone kind of walk me through that. And so the thought behind it and, and kind of my tagline is to glorify God and experience joy through sport. And it's really geared towards coaches doing that. And I think then the trickle-down effect is to the athlete. Um, and so I, do, I spend a lot of time talking with coaches about that and, and my experience – on ministry staff for a period of time, my experience fundraising, uh, my experience recruiting and working in admissions and being in administration at the college level. Um, I think one of the ways it practically plays itself out. So we we talk about uh, who we're becoming, how we do it, but but a lot of coaches then also think of going into college coaching is only about uh, in season, out of season. Uh, and games. And they don't realize that they are mini CEO that has to deal with recruiting, branding, alumni relations, fundraising. Um, they have to be internal. They have internal clients, which is how the university sees them. They have external clients. They're looking to build partnerships. They're right. There's so many pieces. And so I try to come alongside coaches and meet them where they are and help them unpack some of that. Um, and especially in a setting, uh, some of the, the Christian schools that I get to chat with coaches, it's it's how do we do that in relation to our faith? Um, I said, God's sense of humor. And so, you know, I've ended up probably the most secular private school in our area. Uh, They decided they wanted me to be their athletic professional development person. And the first question they asked was, as an evangelical, how can you come in here and do this? And I said, well, you're inviting me. No, I I mean, uh, it was, so God has placed me in a setting where now, people say, well, that's a totally different message. And I say, no, we're just starting further back. Um, We're, we're, you know, if you think of the scale of uh, unrelated to Christ in terms of relationship and related as a scale of the alphabet, right? I'm starting with them at A, B, and C, whereas uh, at some of the Christian institutions, we're starting at QR and S in terms of what that looks like. Um, So a lot of it is one-on-one with coaches, but it's become doing professional development in different settings and doing seminars um, with with coaches and athletic departments, but it's turned also into helping. There's a college I've helped lay out their three-year athletic plan and, and walk through that. There's another college where I'm working with the provost and the president in terms of they're going to be hiring an AD. They're doing a restructuring. Let's think. Let's reimagine. How do we maximize the opportunity at a small Christian college at the D3 level? Uh, to make it world class. And so we're, we're unpacking that Um, in God's fun scheme of things. I've also in the last uh, month um, become the second chaplain for the Philadelphia union. And so I've had opportunity to, to impact and and to work in in a setting like that and have conversations. And so it's, it's work at high schools. There's a summer camp that's bringing me on to do leadership development with their counselors through the summer. Uh, And so, you know, God has has taken this vision, I think that He gave me, and now He's showing me kind of what it could look like in the fullness of it. And so, um, there, there's a lot of different moving pieces. Some are practical, some are structural, some are um, some are relational. I mean, it's all relational uh, in terms of what I'm doing. And so, I think for me, it's it's going into a conversation with folks. Um, and trying to come out of it with a better understanding of who God is in this process, uh, for both of us. And I love Ted Lasso. And I come into those conversations curious. Um, my goal, if you look at my notebooks after every meeting, I write my own notes. And so when I come into a conversation with somebody else, it's usually someone else's thoughts, uh, that I'm sharing with them that way. And so it's me, I would say practically it's meeting coaches where they are and, and, and helping them grow in their vocation. Um, in a way that is is right for them, kind of taking uh, bite-sized chunks with the goal of being excellent for Christ.
0: Well, John, thank you for uh, laying that out. And also thank you for uh, undertaking this work. I, it's fairly young, so it'll be interesting to see yep. the directions it goes. And it sounds like you're already uh, adapting and changing as the Spirit leads, and that um, is ministry. What's unique, I and I think I mentioned this to you before, that it, about this ministry is that so many sport ministries are focused on student athletes, and you're not um, always uh, focused on coaches, but a big part of what you do is to work work with coaches. Um, yep. And and a lot of sports chaplains will not say that. Uh, the coach is is in the way but they will say it sometimes a coach is a is actually a barrier to what they're attempting to do in terms of getting close to athletes so uh, this is a a, an area that needs some attention needs some development um, and I appreciate you undertaking it and seeing where it goes that's that's fun as we close out today and and perhaps we can have you on later uh, to hear how it's going, but as we close out today, can you, if people want to learn more about Coach's Call, where do they find you?
2: Yeah, I, I do have a, a website presence um, that that touches on a number of the things here. If they're intriguing to someone, uh, and that's CoachesCall.org, and it's C-O-A-C-H-S-C-A-L-L.org, uh, um, very intentionally because uh, I think it's a possessive there with coaches um not not necessarily a plural uh and so on there you can find an email you can find a phone number um i would encourage any you know if any of this is intriguing i love conversation and and to me that's the that's the goal is to be obedient to the spirit and have a conversation and if uh it leads to somewhere else that's great if it's just the joy of a conversation that's that's wonderful too
1: Thanks for tuning in to the Sport Faith Life podcast, a conversation at the intersection of sport and faith. Read the corresponding blog post and learn more about us at sportfaithlife.com. Listen to more of our podcasts on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social media to stay up to date with everything sport, faith, life.